Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Um, about a month or so ago, Em and I went to um, a Kentucky Baptist Convention sponsored thing for um, husbands and wives trying to really work on our marriage. And um, I, I don't know about you, but that's just constantly an area of, of, of focus, um, of an area I need to improve in. And one of the things we walked away from the from this training was, and we're going to continue to go back, it's kind of an ongoing thing, is they challenged to have one area that you really specifically focused in on as the husband or as the wife that you were just trying to pour in, focus in on that area. And so uh, for me, I, I walked away saying the area I really need to pour in on my wife is to show more grace. Um, and so my journey kind of from that has been the realization of how little grace I've shown. Like um, I was just like the realization as we talked and then uh, since that point over the last several months, um, just been a realization of the fact that I, I don't often show a lot of grace. And and no not only that, but like I started to realize like how much my flesh fights showing grace. I don't know if you've ever been there like, but you just feel like maybe that they don't deserve it. Right. I mean, whether it's your spouse or I mean, you can apply this like I mean, to a coworker, to your children. Right. Children, you can apply this to your parents. Like, I mean, I just a struggle of like. I know that I need to show grace, but my flesh doesn't want to show grace. Like, it doesn't want to be kind right now. It doesn't want to be gentle. It doesn't want to forgive or overlook or, right? My flesh just says, listen, I, I want to tell you what I think right now in this moment. Like, you know what? I, I've got the, I, I've got the insight on this and I need to share that and I always play my trump card to you. And, and then I started to think about like with my kids, like, and you guys were here, if you were here a few weeks ago, just of sharing about uh, my struggle as a dad of just needing to be gentle, of being kind, of of having self-control, of needing to be patient and loving. And and so I've been just, just praying a lot about that, trying to be intentional that when I get upset, I'm not raising my voice, I'm just talking to the boys, right? And soon enough, that'll be time for Pavey. I'm sure she'll make some mistakes too, right? Um, and listen... Here's what I here's what I found in my journey, right? And today we're just talking about as we're going to look at Jesus in this Thursday of his last week of his earthly life. And here's what I found is that one that I battle showing grace, I battle surrendering my will, I, I battle this. And the moments that I do and I get it right, guess what I often want to do? I want to announce it to everybody. Did you see that I showed you grace? Like, hey, dude, got buddy, did you did you see that? That was daddy being patient. That was me being kind of like, hey, like I want to like announce it. Like I want to be like the, the Cowdays Grand Marshal, like the grace parade, right? Like I'm the Grand Marshal, right? I'm showing grace. And so here's what happened. As I studied this and looked at Jesus Thursday, what I saw was constantly surrender. And what I saw that was so glaring about what Jesus does is the fact that he gets it right continually when I don't. And maybe you're here today and you would just be honest and say, you know what, you don't often get surrender right. You don't get it right with your spouse. Like there's just times that you just blow it, man, and you just let loose. Or when you do get it right, you have to tell them about it, right? You keep reminding them, right? I mean, maybe you're here today and as as kids, like, I mean, 
you struggle with your parents like to surrender to them, right? Like to obey them. And maybe you're coming like you're a teenager or you're, you're hitting that age in which it's soon going to be time for you to, to morph on out of the house. And, and so there's just like this, this locking of horns that often happens. And you're struggling like, how do I surrender and do it right? And listen, all of us as believers, no matter where you fit, like there's just this constant struggle we have to surrender. Like our flesh just, it just fights against surrendering of laying down what our will is or our desires or our thoughts and, and just submitting that to God. And so what I want to encourage you is as you come to Thursday, right? I mean, we walked with Jesus. We saw him Sunday entering the city and they're shouting Hosanna to the son of David and, and everyone is just, um, amazed but the fact that he could actually be the savior messiah the religious leaders are not happy about it right i mean he curses the fig tree there on monday and he cleanses the temple on monday on tuesdays all the teaching he does where he he goes against the religious leaders and battles them and then wednesday was more of a a quiet day he's in the temple again teaching but we heard as wednesday kind of came to a close that they're plotting to kill him like it's time and then comes thursday and Thursday is just this beautiful day of Jesus surrendering, of Jesus having the last Passover meal with his disciples. And the Passover is going to forever change. This meal is going to forever change and look different. Why? Because it's not looking over, looking back to some lamb back in the past and where they put the blood over the doorpost to save them and they brought them out of Egyptian bondage. It's looking forward to a perfect lamb. That now when we take of this table, we take the bread and the cup, we're looking to Christ and His sacrifice. We're going to hear Jesus washing or see Him washing the feet of the disciples, even Judas, who would betray Him. And then we're going to walk with Him as He goes to the garden Thursday evening, closing out, and hear Him praying in there, Father, not my will, but what? Thy will be done. Your will be done. And Thursday, as it transitions into Friday, is going to see Judas coming at night into the garden and betraying the Son of Man with a kiss. And all throughout it is just this beautiful moments of Jesus surrendering when I, and I'm guessing you, would be fighting against it tooth and nail. So walk me if you would, begin in John chapter 13. And the first point as you make your way to John 13 is this. Surrender is motivated by sacrifice. Our surrender is motivated by sacrifice. Our serving must be motivated by sacrifice. Pick up the wood, verse 3 of John 13. Again, the disciples are there having the Last Supper there, the Passover meal that they've gone and prepared, that room that was furnished already, right? So many things that have happened. And it says, beginning in verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands... So listen, what Jesus knows is the Father has given to him all things, right? This is important. And that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. And look what he does. Because Jesus has all things, the Father has entrusted all things into his hands. Because of Jesus understanding who his identity is, that who he is as a son of God. Listen to what it says. In this moment, he laid aside his outer garments. He began to lay aside things. Things that you and I would resist, right? Let's don't lay aside those, right? Because let's be honest, when it comes to moments of surrender, moments of submission, we're often worried, is somebody going to take advantage of me? Right? If I offer for forgiveness or grace to my spouse, does that mean they're going to keep walking over me? Right? As parents, we've got to figure out, like, if I offer grace and mercy to my kids, is this going to, like, give them free reign just to kind of live whenever they want and think mom and dad will be okay with it? 
Right. I mean, if we do this in the church, if we show grace or mercy to that person, in the church. Does that mean that they won and I lost? And so, listen, this beautiful moment of Jesus just laying aside his outer garments and he takes a towel and he ties it around his waist. And verse five of John 13 says, then he poured water into a basin and it began to what? Wash the disciples feet. And to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now what's astonishing about this is, is right, I mean they live dirt roads. I don't know if many of you have ever been to third world countries, but you understand like dirt roads, man, if, right, you have dirt all over you, right? I mean if you travel there, it doesn't matter if you travel whether the bus or if you're in the back end of a pickup or you're just walking. I mean by the end of the day when you go to shower or clean off, man, it's just like orange stuff's just coming off of you everywhere, right? And so Jesus lives in that culture. Right. So if you've been there, you may have a better understanding of what's happening here. What's so significant. But but typically custom was that when you came to the house, right, your feet would be dirty. And so the, the, the they would have a slave that would wash your feet. Now, it had to be a non-Jewish person. Right. Because this was even like even if it was a Jewish person that was in slavery at that point in time. And slavery was different than how we understand it and and see it through the lens of what else happened in American history. But nonetheless, they were still slaves. And they said, listen, this is such a low task. That they wouldn't even allow Jewish people who were slaves to do it. And then this moment of the Son of God, the Master, the Teacher, is going to go and he's going to get that garment, is going to begin to wash the disciples' feet. It's an amazing moment, right? Because he has, again, how could the one who has all things do this? But in fact, John says this is part of his encouragement or part of the strengthening for him to do it. He knows, right? That he has all things. And Paul says, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. Paul says, why are you worrying about things in this world? Because all things are yours. Do you realize that? That the inheritance that you now have in Christ who was crucified, buried, and raised again. says, listen, I want you to know that if you are in Christ, the world is yours. Right? Like, I mean, you you may feel like I I have this little area of, of, of this business or my house or my cars or whatever it may be that's mine. No, Paul says, listen, I want you to know that if you are in Christ, everything is yours. The new world that is to come is yours. And listen, knowing that empowers us to realize, listen, how can you give up when you have everything? Right? It's already yours. So you're, as you come to that moment of surrender, that moment of laying it down, of taking off that outer garment, of beginning to wash the disciples' feet. Listen to what happens. He comes to Peter, verse 6, and who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him. This is a profound statement in verse 7 of John 13. What I'm doing, you do not understand. Look what he says here now. So there's a lack of understanding now. But he says, but afterward, you will understand. So I think for this moment, it provides some clarity, right, of how do we understand what's happening, right? This is more than just foot washing, right? Because if this is just foot washing, then surely these guys at least are bright enough to catch on the fact, listen, this is just about foot washing, But Jesus says, I want you to know that what I'm doing now is something greater than foot washing. What I'm doing now, he says, you don't understand it now, but you will understand it. Why? Because you can only understand my surrender and my sacrifice through the cross. 
Like, this is like a paradigm shift, like in how we must understand how we surrender and how we serve. Our serving isn't just simply because I have to, right? Like, oh, I should be washing people's feet, and so I might apply that to any number of areas, right? I need to be doing this. That's because that's... Jesus says, listen, I want you to know that the only way to truly understand surrendering and serving is ultimately through my sacrifice on the cross. Because it's there, right, that the glory of God is displayed. It's there that I die on behalf of those that aren't worthy. And so I realize now that I may often be serving people that are unworthy. Heads up, every person you serve is unworthy. No one you've served has ever earned or deserved it, right? We are all sinners. That's what the cross says to us. No one has ever earned or deserved Jesus dying for them. That's the love of God. That's God's grace. That's God's mercy. And Jesus says, when you serve others, it should be of the same mindset. It's not because your spouse has earned it. It's not because your parents have been good enough to deserve your respect or obedience. It's ultimately you are obeying and following your parents, the coach, the teacher, whomever. As a reflection of your submission to what your Savior did for you on the cross. So it's no longer mom and dad having tried to earn it. It's no longer like my spouse having to live up good enough that now I'll serve them. It's no longer the person in the church being good enough that I'll now serve them and submit to their leadership, right? It's no longer this community being clean enough or good enough for us as a church to go and serve them. We are going to them. Why? Because Christ came to us when we were unworthy, right? I mean, we as believers get it. And that's what Jesus is saying. You don't understand it now. But afterward, he says, you will understand. It provides clarity on how surrender and how service should look. Right? And so ultimately, all serving, all surrender rest in the ultimate sacrifice of Christ. Do you see that? If you're not careful, listen. If you're not careful, you'll be... And I hope and pray it happens for you. I hope you realize, you maybe you're like me, how little grace you show that you live like in this meritous system in which people must rank up or deserve your serving or your doing. And what I'm trying to help you see is it's often the people that are the closest to us that we treat this way. We usually don't do that with the community or the nations, right? We go to them. We don't think like, oh, I wonder like how good they've been. Should I go and serve this community when I show up on the mission trip? When you could show up at Changers, are you thinking about that homeowner? Like, do they actually deserve it? When you get to Oklahoma, are you thinking about those kids? Like, I wonder how good they've been the past week. But no, when it comes to our spouses, when it comes to our parents, when it comes to our children, when it comes to church members, man, then you got to meet this requirement and that requirement and that requirement, and then I'll serve you. And then I'll show you grace. Beloved, this church, our surrender, our submission must always be rooted in his sacrifice. And that sacrifice screams that we were never worthy to receive it ourselves. And Jesus says exactly, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. And that's why, listen, the disciples don't get it. What I am doing now, he says, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will and Peter proves it. Peter says to him, you shall never wash my feet. Like he, he knows the culture. Like you don't let Jesus do this. He's the king. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Listen when he says, verse 9 of John 13. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. He's like, hey, listen, if I can only be clean, clean by you washing, then don't miss anything. And here's the good news about the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, beloved, 
God who knows your heart, who sees your heart, who sees every motive, every thought. He didn't miss any of those on the cross. They're all upon the Son of God. So you don't have to live in fear that someday you may die and stand before a holy God and Jesus maybe missed that one. No, on the cross, God places upon the Son your sin, your bondage, your shame, your lust, your lies. Everything is upon the Son, every motive of you are my heart, and He pays it in full. And so Peter is there saying, Lord, if the only way for me to be clean, then wash every part of me. And listen to what Jesus says to him. The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Who's he talking about? Judas. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. So Jesus is helping us understand how forgiveness works. He's saying, listen, when you come and you repent, when you believe upon the Son of God, you are forgiven. But just like your feet get dirty as you walk the road, so your life and your heart get dirty as you and I live. And our, we listen, he's saying we must come back just like daily we must wash our feet. Daily there must be times of repentance and confession and asking God to forgive and cleanse you. Now are you forgiven by God and by all those sins? Absolutely. Christ died on the cross already. But he's saying, listen, we must continually in our relationship with him be confessing that sin, acknowledging it. And that's what he said. Look what he says. The one who is bathed does not need to wash. He says, listen, once you're forgiven, you're forgiven. You're clean. Except for his feet. Right? He's saying, listen, there's just this ongoing need of confession and repentance of sin. And so he says, listen, I, I want you to know that I have come to forgive you. I have come to clean you. So when we think about how we serve here as a church, maybe we just think about like one of the areas in which there's an ongoing area of ministry for us. As we serve, we feed people. Right? Specifically, we feed children and youth. Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. If our goal is simply just to serve them, just to give them food. Now listen, that's a great need. It is. But Jesus is saying, listen, this is not just simply about me washing your feet. This is not just simply me meeting a physical need. What I'm doing has greater significance than we must understand that what we are doing when we are feeding. Again, you can begin to apply this to all other areas of our ministry. We must ask ourselves, is our motive of serving them because we ourselves know what it's like to be forgiven and we're surrendering to that sacrifice for us? And not only have we received it, but our motive in serving you is that you too might know it and be clean. Right? I mean, we need to ask that about every area of ministry we have. Right? I mean, is our intention just to meet physical needs? Right? Is our hope that just this community will say, we've got the five-star rating, like they just do cow days, they rock it out. Man, they go back to school. Right? I mean, they do, they feed kids weekly, they help in financial crisis, on and on. The point is, listen, we must serve in response to his sacrifice because we ourselves have been made clean and we desire for them to be made clean. This means that our serving must become intentional and relational. We must sit with them. We must talk with them in the parking lot. We must knock on their doors in a few weeks and share the gospel. Like, this is intentionality. Why? Because we, our Savior, was intentional for us. Do you see how everything is rooted in His sacrifice for us? This is not just Greensburg Baptist serving because that's what we should do. 
No, that's because what he's already done. Our serving is surrender. It's, it's worship. And it's motivated not on the performance of the person you're serving. It's always motivated based upon what the son has done on your behalf. Do you see it? What if you treated kiddos? What if that was for your parents? They didn't have to measure up. You respected and obeyed them and you submitted to them because of what the sacrifice of Christ has done on your behalf. Spouses, what if, what if this week when you began to serve and you surrender, it wasn't because of how many times you had been intimate or how many intimate conversations you had had or how many love notes you had received or whatever it may be. What if it was just based upon grace and the sacrifice of the Savior who did it when you didn't deserve it? What if that was the way that you loved your spouse? What if when you went back to school this week or when you returned back to your jobs, the jerk that you know all too well, the person that's run their trap about you or your family or or just makes it difficult for you? What if this week when you go back that you serve and you love on that person and show them grace and mercy because of the sacrifice of Christ on your behalf? And so how do they become clean, right? Well, Mark 14, just for a moment, we need to jump to Mark just a little bit because Mark gives us a few details of Thursday that we don't have here in John's lengthy account of Thursday. John talks a little bit about the meal and he points out some things that, or Mark does, that John doesn't bring to our attention, right? And he says in verse 22 in Mark 14, again, this question of Jesus is talking to them about being clean and we've asked the question, well, how does anyone become clean? Listen to what he says. And as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my what? This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. Right. So again, he's taking the cup, right? He's taking the bread, all these things that would have been a part of the Passover meal. And he's saying now they have new significance. They have new importance. And that is understood in me. I'm the ultimate Passover lamb. And he said to them, listen to what he says. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. The only way for any of us to be clean, listen, is to come under the blood of Christ. This is the only hope of forgiveness. This is a new covenant, right? Isaiah was writing, he's talking about that a few weeks back. We studied that about this new covenant that was coming. This is the new covenant. Jesus says it's the covenant of my blood. It's not the blood of, of a lamb or a bull or a goat, right? I mean, Hebrews 9.22 says it's impossible for the blood of lambs or goats to take away sin. But there is blood that's perfect, that's holy and righteous, who's sinless, who can die not for his own sins, but for yours. And Jesus says that is my blood and it's poured out for you. And Paul says, as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's what? Death until he till he comes. And so then Jesus comes back to this in the midst of the supper. And he says, verse 13 of John 13, you call me teacher and Lord and you are right for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. And so some denominations, some some churches, right, they hold that. And they have literal fit, foot washings. Other churches say, well, I think that looks maybe more figurative. And so it represents how we should serve one another holistically. And again, it, it's a beautiful thing if you've ever been a part of a foot washing, right? And so this is the master doing that. But 
as a church, we would say, hey, listen, I think it speaks of foot washing, but I think it speaks even bigger than that. Why? Because it looks to a sacrifice. This is everything that we do. We're washing one another's feet. And none of us, listen, if the Lord and teacher was not above it, then is there anyone here that's too good? The answer is no. Right? I mean, it's a moment in which the disciples have missed it. And we often, let's be honest, as a church and as followers of Christ, we often miss it. Surrender is wrapped up in our own motivation, our own desires, our own glory. And Jesus is giving us an example of being humble, of loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, of considering others more important than ourselves, that our motive in serving is always in response to a sacrifice. So some of you, right, again, you're hearing this and you're thinking there's no way you could serve mom or dad anymore. You're done with them, right? I mean, there's no way you could surrender their rule. Others of you here and you say, well, guess what, Blake? That was Jesus. But I don't know if Jesus could even love my spouse, right? I don't know if Jesus could even love my teacher. I don't know if Jesus could even love my coworker, right? And so listen, I want you to hear today in case you would hear this message and you begin to think, well, it's like 10 things I need to do to be a better Christian or this is how you serve better. I want you to hear the strength to serve. And the strength to serve is not you, but surrender is strengthened by your spirit, by the spirit. Surrender is strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Listen, do not hear this today and think somehow, how am I going to go back and love that person that I don't feel like I can love anymore? How could I be kind to that person in the community that's done me wrong or hurt me or my family, right? I mean, how could I ever do that? And listen, the response is, you're right, you couldn't. But Christ in you can. Christ in you. Christ in you. This is the hope. This is the strength. So again, we're going to return back. Why? Because we mentioned earlier, but John 13 through 17 is Jesus teaching all of that on a Thursday night, right? I mean, whoa, long message, right? But he teaches all of this. So let's return back to it to hear him sharing some about the power of the spirit that's going to come upon the believers, which ultimately would be us. Who have repented and believed on the name of Christ. This is what he says beginning in verse 6 of John 16. But because I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. He's been telling them that he's going away. Nevertheless I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. This is one of the most perplexing messages. In the Bible I believe. Specifically the New Testament. Look what he says. Nevertheless I tell you the truth. It is to. Look what he says. It's your advantage. That I go away. For right. Here's the reason why. Like I. Right? I mean, we, let's, let's be honest. Have you ever had moments where you just wish Jesus was here? Like, if I could just walk with Jesus, if I could just, like, if I could just have a conversation with Him, if He was just here, I know He could help me get through this relationship. I know He could help me make it through this financial crisis. I know if He was just here, right, physical healing might come or something would change. If Jesus was just physically present, then I might believe. Then I wouldn't have these worries. Then I wouldn't have these doubts. But yet John 16, 7, listen to what Jesus says. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. Like, how can it be good that Jesus is not physically present? Like, isn't that the ultimate? And listen to what he says. Four, here's why. If I do not go away, the helper will not what? Will not come to you. Jesus says if there's no crucifixion, burial, resurrection, and ascension back to the Father, there's going to be no indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
And so what Jesus is telling him, listen, he says, it's your advantage that I go away. Why? Because if I don't go away, the helper won't come. And the helper is who? The Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, that's what he says. And he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He, he goes on to teach more. We don't have time maybe today, but you can, you can read through some of that. But listen, he says, I want you to know that the reason why it's going to be to your advantage is it won't be just me walking with you, but instead it'll be me walking in you. And it won't just be me here watching your life and trying to help direct you and teaching you and showing you. In fact, it will be me in your heart transforming your desires and your motives. Do you see, this is the hope of the gospel. This is what's beautiful about Christianity compared to everything else. Everything else is just outward behavior modification. Like be this, do that, give yourself, be a martyr, do these things, pray these, go on these trips, try this, give this, do that, and then you'll be accepted into heaven. Then God will accept you. Everything is just you trying to be the best you. And Christ says that will never, ever cut it. So I have come and I will give my life for you. That you can be clean and that I will be buried and raised and sent back to my Father and I will send the Spirit to live inside of you that will change you from the inside out. That's the hope of Christianity. It's not just you do better. It's Christ in you. This is the hope of the gospel. And that's why Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. For unless I go away, the helper will not come. But if I go away, he will come. And it won't just be me walking with you. Instead, it will be me walking in you that will give you the strength to serve that will give you the strength to surrender. It will give you the strength to bite your tongue and not lose self-control as a dad. It will give you the strength, right, to love that person who has done you wrong, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's impossible. You're exactly right. It's impossible for us. But all things are possible for those who believe. It's the power of Christ in you. So listen, as you hear this message, you must realize surrender is strengthened by the Spirit. And maybe why the struggle for you so long has been miserable serving and doing other things is maybe because the Spirit doesn't indwell you at all. It's hard. But there's a transforming power, beloved, of the Spirit Listen to what Jesus says. Come on. Rewind back. John 15. Remember, John 13 through 17 is all Thursday night. So these are things they've been hearing, right? Listen to what he says. Verse 3 of John 15. Some, some familiar text for many of you from the New Testament. Already you are clean. So again, we would think maybe that just sounds random, but we know that this is taking place, right, as a follow-up here to all that's happened at, at, the, at the supper table, right? So we hear clean and we know, well, it's clean because he's talking about washing the feet and being clean because of his sacrifice. Like, oh, okay, I understand what Jesus is doing, right? It's not haphazard. This is all connected. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot f- bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you what? Unless you abide in me. He says you can't bear fruit. You cannot live this Christian life apart from me. You can't do it. Look what he says. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, listen, I want you to know, you cannot bear the fruit by yourself. 
You cannot serve and surrender in your own strength, beloved. Listen, this morning is a call to come and die. You cannot love that person. You cannot forgive that person. You cannot serve with a joyful and desirous heart. But if God in you transforms you, then He will give you the desire. He will bear the fruit. Right? If you have the right root, then you're going to have the right fruit. He's transforming them. He says, you cannot do it unless you abide in me. There's no hope. Right? If the Christian life is just a list of having to serve or I have to teach Sunday school, I have to drive the bus, I have to go to a water night, I have to give, I have to help with VBS, I have to sing in the choir, I have to go to church. That is not the will of God for you. That is not the Christian life. Now, there are times when, I'll be straight, there's times when I don't want to be here. I'm just being honest. There's times when I don't. Now, i got to guard that, right? My feelings cannot dictate my obedience. Obedience must tell my feelings. Blake, dude, you're the preacher there. expected you to be there, man. Right? I shared it before. There was, a, there was a time, there was a Sunday night, I was struggling. I told him, I called her on the phone. It was like two minutes before the service start. And I was like, babe, I don't think I'm coming in. She's like, what do you mean? I said, I just don't think I can come in tonight. Like, I, just don't, I, just, I just don't think I can come. I'll never forget, it's one of the greatest moments, the greatest my bride's ever showed me. She's like, well, I'll just come in the car and sit with you then. It's one of the greatest moments. She could have shamed me, right? She's like, well, you should be here, right? Where are you, loser? Call yourself, you love Jesus, right? Jesus freak, yeah, right? You want to come in? You're in the parking lot. I'll never forget it. I, I just, I just, where are you? I'll come in the car and sit with you. Some of you, listen, there's people that just, there's just there's so many things that have happened. They just, they just don't want to come back. They don't want to come to church. They just, they just don't. I just want to encourage you. Maybe just go sit in the parking lot with them. Maybe just go to their house and just hang out for a minute. Maybe just, I, I don't, just love on them. Right? I mean, the other day, I mean, it, God's just been doing a work in my one. I've just been praying and listen, God opened the door and we, we need to be somewhere in my one just by God's grace and just all that he's doing. He just lines our lives up and we're together and he just begins to pour his heart out to me. And I'm just standing there thinking, I know I need to be somewhere else. I know we told somebody else we're coming, but listen, I just, I can't get past this moment, right? The Spirit just saying, Blake, just love, just listen. Listen, beloved. It's impossible to live the Christian life devoid of the Holy Spirit of God. And not only will you not live the Christian life devoid of the Spirit of God, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Spirit, according to Paul in Ephesians 1, is your guaranteed deposit of the inheritance that you have in Christ. So if there is no indwelling of the Spirit in your life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's why we're at Thursday and Friday must come because none of us will inherit the kingdom apart from Him. Oh, survey the wondrous cross upon which the Prince of Glory is dying. Wow. Thirdly and last, surrender ultimately rests in sovereignty. Right? I mean, we've heard that our surrender is rude and sacrifice. That every act of service is an opportunity to imitate his ultimate sacrifice, right? Every act of surrender is, is a moment of devotion and worship to him, right? Like, I, 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 listen, people are not going to always say, oh, thank you for serving me. 
Your spouse is not always going to acknowledge. I can tell you're being kind. Or you, listen, kiddos, your parents aren't always going to say, oh, I appreciate so much your submission right now. Listen, that's why I must be worship and devotion to Him because He always sees, He always recognizes, and He will reward you. So surrender, ultimately, though, must rest in His sovereignty. And that's what brings us to the close of Thursday night. As the Passover meal finishes and Jesus is teaching, they sing a hymn and they head out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we're going to be brief on this, but Mark 14, again, just highlights some things. I want to just, just briefly show them. And he said, verse 34, to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Listen to this. All things are possible for you, Dad. Remove this cup from me. Like, listen, God, you can heal me if you want. God, you can fix that relationship. God, you, you, Lord, you can do anything. And this is a moment. It's often hard for us. Listen, it's hard. Just because God can do something doesn't always mean it's His will to do so. And that's hard. That's, that can be so frustrating. Right? Jesus is just being here. So listen, Father, all things are possible for you. Then listen to this moment of surrender to the sovereignty of God. Remove this cup from me. God, I do not want to become sin. And die on the cross experiencing your wrath. That's He's saying, God, if there's any other way for these people to be safe, if there's any other hope for them to be forgiven, if there's any other way to heaven for you, that's what He's saying, Father, if there's any other way that they can come to you, they can dwell with us forever, then Father, please, please let there be another way. And the Father is quiet. Why? Because there is no other road to heaven There's no other way to the Father except through the Son. All roads don't lead home. All religions won't make it there. You won't arrive there unless you come to the Father through the Son. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Listen to this. This moment of submission to the sovereignty of God. You must learn to rest there if you are to ever truly surrender and be at peace and surrender. Yet, not what I will. What's he say? But what? But what you will. But what you will. Some of you, that needs to be a prayer. Your will is for your family to look like this and God's calling you to adoption. Your will is that you're going to have, you're going to go to this school and pursue this. You could take over the family business and God's got a completely different plan for you and you're going to have to just say lord not what i will but you will and listen some of us as parents we need to be praying that for our kids because we have plans for our kids and we've been trying to get them to that place and that school and that destination because we know what's best for them but god says i've got a different plan for your kid listen as a church we've got to be so careful that we don't just simply say god it's what we will instead of god what you will so every time as a church we gather we need to be praying father not what i will but you will what is your will father what do you desire for us jesus in his final moments of thursday as the betrayer will soon come and the tri- the rest and the trial will begin to unfold He just prays, yet not what I will, but what you will. 
If you don't rest in the sovereignty of God, friend, you will find yourself miserable serving because you will always think you're being overlooked or people don't appreciate it or they don't care or they don't deserve it. But when you rest in the will of God, when you rest here and say, God, I'm submitting my life to you. So ultimately, whether they appreciate it or not, whether that spouse or that parent or that friend or the community person acknowledges it or not, my surrender and my devotion is to you, God. I'm ultimately I'm serving you, God, this church. Listen, listen, as we serve, as we go, ultimately our service, our surrender is to God. Every ministry in which we have here must be ultimately an act of devotion to his sacrifice to us first, because we love because he first what he first loved us. This is our motive. This is our desire, not because of how deserving the community or the nations are or your spouse is or your parents or your teacher or your coach or the jerk that's in the... I don't know! Everything must be rooted and motivated because of what He's done. And the Son submits to the Father's will. And that's our call as well. Yet not what I will, Lord, but what you will. I don't know if you saw it or not, but our surrender is deeply connected to the Trinity. I can surrender. Why? Because God is sovereign. I can surrender because Christ's sacrifice has cleansed me. Thirdly, I can surrender because the Spirit strengthens me. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work in your and my surrender. Today, do you need to come? Confessing your sins and calling out to Christ. Lord, make me clean. Would you call out to Him to make you clean? Would you respond to the gospel today that you can be forgiven? Father, forgive me. You know me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Clean me. And Lord, send your spirit. Lord, I desire to live a different life. And I can't do it on my own. But God, I know that you will forgive me. And that you will send your spirit that will change me from the inside out. The Christian life doesn't have to be miserable, beloved. You don't have to go to church because you have to. You don't sing because you have to. You don't have to serve because you have to. God can change your heart where you want to, where you desire these things. Come to the Son and be clean and be forgiven and receive the Spirit of God. And then let's go serve because of His sacrifice for us, not because of what other people out there deserve or don't deserve. Would you pray with me? Father, I know only your strength. Only your strength can change my hard heart, Lord. You know how far I have to go. Lord God, you see, you know my heart, Lord. There's nothing hidden before you. Lord, you know how much I need the cleansing and the strength of your spirit, God, to surrender my life to you. Father, I'm praying now also for those who are here that maybe are anything like me, that they too need to be changed from the inside out. Father, I pray that you'll draw them to your son, Jesus. I pray for those that are in Christ, they would just have their feet clean this morning as they just confess. And Father, for those that are here that do not know you as Lord and Savior, God, would you draw them to your son, that they would just confess their need of forgiveness, confessing their hope and belief in Christ alone, as their only hope, that there's no other way to come to the Father except through the Son. I pray this for the glory of your Son, Jesus. In His name I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. We invite you to come this morning. I invite you to stand and sing.
This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.